You're listening to episode 29 of Daughters on Fire with your host, Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In today's episode, I'm going to interview Casey Martin with the Council on Aging here in Nashville, Tennessee. This is a really fascinating interview because Casey comes from the world of, you know, geriatrics and aging and aging well. So she has a lot of great information from that perspective, but her recent work has brought her into the world of HR and companies. And it's very fascinating how caregivers manage juggling their careers and juggling caring for somebody that they love. So Casey offers us some really good insight into what is happening on that front. What are employers doing to accommodate caregivers in the workforce? And also, how has COVID-19 impacted that move forward? Because in some ways, it has really catapulted us into a new world of accommodation uh, from working from home, from flexible hours, whether it's caregiving, whether it's parenting, we're really navigating a new normal. And Casey, you know, kind of sheds light on how employers are dealing with that, with the ever-changing landscape of caregiving and working. So I look forward to you joining us on this week's episode. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back everyone. I am so excited today to have yet another phenomenal interview today with Casey Martin. So Casey Martin has positively impacted aging services and marketing and education for 20 years. And our paths have crossed over, I guess, I don't think it's been quite 10 years, but it's been a heck of a long time, probably seven or eight years since I've known Casey. And I've been super inspired by her. But in addition to working with assisted living and continuing care, retirement communities, Casey also has served as a long-term consultant, like a long-term care consultant um, with the Leading Age Tennessee, developing continuing education workshops and professional conferences. She's also... She's done her own marketing consulting. I think that's kind of where you and I crossed over a little bit. I think so, yeah. Yes, Um, and partnered with geriatric professionals to create, coach, and manage marketing and social business strategies. She is currently the Director of Community Engagement for Council on Aging of Middle Tennessee. In addition, she has served on various committees and boards not just like various, like there's just some, I mean, there's like a whole list here of amazing <laughs> contribution from the Refuge, the Refuge Center for Counseling, Williamson um, County Geriatric Council, Mental Health America of Middle Tennessee, Chairman and Advisory Boards for 50 Forward, the Martin Center, and the Alzheimer's Association of Middle Tennessee. Oh my goodness, Casey. Do you have time to like enjoy yourself every now and then with your your husband and your children on your farm in Franklin? That's just really impressive. So welcome, welcome. Fill in the blanks. Tell us a little bit more about yourself 
And then Thank I you. will tell everybody this amazing um, little podcast we're going to have today that I think will be inspiring and educational. So let us sure. know a little bit more about you. So uh, all of that is very enjoyable for me. So it's not like going to work. It's just, quite frankly, a whole lot of fun. So um, I, I do love it. It's, I think, um, I don't know, just part of community service and um, giving back to community and doing volunteer work. So that's um, a, a large part of what I do. Um, also, you know, soccer mom, swim mom, um, Girl Scout mom. Doing, College uh, mom, doing right? all kinds don't of different college and, and kids that's right and a kid in college going back and you know very soon so um and then two in high school so it's it's a busy world but i think it is for everybody um and it's just you know um trying to i guess prioritize it and and do the do our level best to make sure that um you know things are prioritized in a way that um is impactful and also um again just kind of continuing to give back to community so yeah well, I'm so excited you're here because not only yeah, do you have too. the expertise in this area, you also, you're, you really are a daughter on fire. I mean, I don't know about your personal caregiving journey, but you are a professional woman who is juggling many responsibilities, passions, and activities in life, and just trying to keep it all together as kind of the torchbearer, right, in, in this it's Right. And also, I think, in, uh, you know, what, what uh, I think an amazing part of this podcast and what you're doing is to serve other women well, um, and to support other women. So that's one of the things I think is so important is making sure that, um, you know, we're providing information and resources from a professional standpoint and what I do every day at the Council on Aging and what I've done in kind of my past lives um, in kind of aging services. But I also think it's really important to bring forth support and how can I help you and how can we help get connected even in our personal world. And, you know, when we kind of talk about folks who are caring for older parents. I mean, um, one of our colleagues said, um, it's like the new, um, the new cocktail conversation. And I thought, mm. oh my yes. gosh, it really kind of is, you know, <laughs> you're at a, you're at a party, you're with other friends, you're, you know, in a, in a setting of people of a certain age. And we're talking, the conversation almost always evolves into how are your parents? How are you doing with your grandparents or your aunt or who, you know, people that you're caring for? So I think it's really important, the work that you're doing as well, um, to kind of bring some of these issues to light and say, how can we help each other? Yes, absolutely. And so Casey's work at the Council on Aging has recently really been about research and education around the impact of how caregiving is bleeding over for women into their workplaces mm -hmm. and so today we're going to talk and have a great conversation around and explore the landscape of caregiving through the experience of working women so essentially all you daughters on fire out there that's most right. of you all the daughters on fire caregivers <laughs> yes. on fire right? caregivers yeah. on fire because yeah. i mean yeah. and and what it's so timely because of covid19 it has really shifted how people see the workplace and it could be that there are some changes on the horizon that would really benefit women who are juggling 
caregiving and, and working. Mm-hmm. So it's this layered, very interesting, fascinating experience that we're all going through that maybe yeah. through this, I don't know, this shift, this magnitude of eight shift in our culture that we can mm-hmm. come out differently on the other end of this in a way that is more conducive to working women having environments at work that support them through their caregiving journey. So Absolutely. jump in there, Casey, because you have some great statistics around why this demographic matters. We have a right. very powerful voice in our demographic matter. So tell us more about that. So one of the things that we have done, it, certainly in the work we do every day, at C, I, I call it COA, so we'll shorten Council on Aging to COA for our conversation today. So we have always had this mission and initiative of supporting caregivers, no matter where they are. Um, that happens in a lot of, that looks different for a lot of different people, right? Um, and then really several years ago, we became very interested in working caregivers because I looked at this marketing landscape of how um, different aging services providers were trying to find these pockets of adult children who were caring for aging parents um, because that was the identified sort of group. We realized that adult children who are still working, which is most of most of them, um, or raising children, school-aged children, which is most of them, um, or many of them, maybe I should say, um, they're, they're not going to leave after working all day, picking up kids, going to, you know, whatever practice or, you know, games or whatever extracurricular activities that children had, they are not really prone to, oh, good, and I'll go to another meeting to another location at six or seven o'clock at night to talk about my aging parent and what I can do for them. They're already exhausted. Mm -hmm. So we we were trying to, I think as an industry and as certain providers who serve that particular particular demographic, we were trying to figure out where where do you meet these people where they are? What's the best way to do that? And so um, Council on Aging started really examining that and looking at working caregivers. Who are they? Kind of what's their profile? Um, You know, do I identify with that as a working parent, working, I'm a working parent, but I also have, you know, parents who are aging, who are not personally there. I'm not in that, you know, caregiving everyday role. But boy, I sure have a lot of friends who are. So what does that look like for them? What I'm also seeing with that is that you know it's coming. You know you have to be prepared. And so you want to be plugged in. You're seeing it going on all around you. And you're seeing that those that you love who get caught up in the crisis and weren't prepared are the ones that seem to be pulled under the most and to be the most overwhelmed. And so if you can be educated and aware and, and proactive slowly on the, Mm -hmm. in the beginning stages is that this is not like one of those random things that decline doesn't happen to all of us. I mean, if if you have parents or a loved one, an elderly loved one in your life that you know you're going to be there for, then this Mm -hmm. is going to happen to all of us. So it's Mm -hmm. not something you can, well, you can pretend it's not going to exist, but you're, you're 
experience is going to be much different if you don't kind of see it coming. That's right. And one of the things that I've seen over this fairly long career in aging services is families so many times wait until there is a crisis, catastrophic illness, or catastrophic injury. And Mm -hmm. then it's, oh my goodness, now we've got to make a decision. And so you're making this decision about care, about what that needs to look like, about who's going to facilitate the care. You're making that decision in an extraordinarily emotional time. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get information to people, if we can do a little bit of education um, with folks who may be in that demographic of having school-aged children at home and caring for aging parents and maybe working full or part-time, then that is definitely something that we want to be able to do so that folks are more prepared. Um, As you were talking, it really reminded me of a conversation we had um, kind of early in this process where um, one of our colleagues had pointed out, you know, elder care is not like child care. With child care, it starts out being really kind of task heavy, if you will, at the beginning. But then as the child gets older, they're able to do more things for themselves. The parents' kind of everyday task responsibility lessens as the child gets older. With elder care, it's very much an opposite scenario. Mm -hmm. It may start out with things like, I'm just going to the grocery to pick up a few items or I'm just going to, she's no mom is no longer driving. So I'm just going to take her to the salon to have her hair done. It may have one or two days a week, or you're just calling to check in. And then as that parent, older parent progresses and ages, as we all are, abilities get more or can. And, and quite frankly, the decisions are big decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you stay at home? Do you not? Is, does that person need to be driving? Do they not? Are they even safe in their own home? Are there cognitive issues? So there's a lot to consider. Um, and one of the things we found is when we're out doing education and, you know, trying to, you know, plug people in and get people connected, um, caregivers in particular, one of the things we find is a lot of times people know kind of sort of what they need, but they don't know what it's called. So we're also helping them wrap vocabulary and, you know, around what they need so they know even what to call it. Um, Because we also found that that is a barrier for sometimes care, but also just knowing what I need, what that's called. I mean, how many times somebody who helps me with that, you know, right. right. How many times, you know, you think, you know what you want to look up, but because you don't have the word, you can't easily Google it. So imagine you don't know what people are calling these different services or these different professions. And you're, so you're, you're going to kind of hit, roadblocks all the all along the way even with simple google searches exactly um and that's one of the things we've done at council on aging we have a directory of services and it's broken down it's free it's available through public libraries they can the folks can certainly call our office if um, they need a copy we can mail it very safely um to them but um it's just a an a comprehensive guide. It's almost like a yellow pages in a way of all aging services um, 
kind of um, providers for the 13 county service area that we cover in Middle Tennessee. And that's um, the senior directory, correct? It's it's called this Directory of Services, Council on Aging Directory of Services. It's available through our website. Also, there's an online version, so people can go to www.coa mid10mid10.org um, and find it there. It's in the upper right-hand corner. Um, just click directory um, and that'll take you where you need to go. You can search it. Um, but that's one of the things that we found was people needed resources in their county, in their neighborhood. I need help at home. What does that even call? And so there is a listing um, by county in each of the categories, but there are also there's also a brief description of what those services are, so people can say, "Oh, that's great. That's exactly what I need," or "I think I might not need that, but something else." And they can you know continue to look. Um, and we also have information and referral calls at our office, so folks can call our office line, talk to a real person, and you know we try to get folks connected to the next best resource. So you're not making three or four other phone calls. You're connected to the one phone call that you, you know, the, the next connection that you need to make for, uh, to help out. Um, and certainly with our working caregivers and with caregivers in general, that's really what we um, have created a, um, a um, kind of a, a menu, if you will, of services and resources. Um, we even have a an aging and caring guide. I guess I'm getting into uh, a lot of resources and that kind of thing now, but I think it's important to um, to share the information. Um, it's called Aging and Caring. It's a guide for caregivers, and actually was created by this wonderful group of folks, many of whom were caregivers already, and they just took the approach of what would I have loved to have known? And mm. so they kind of started at that place. And um, that's also a um, free resource that is available through Council on Aging too. That is fantastic. So, so yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing what Just you're finding as you go in and you find these individuals by going to the employers first is you're finding that they crave one information first and foremost. Yeah. So one, and one of the things too, well, I'll, I'll just kind of back up a little bit. And um, you were talking about statistics. I'll just kind of share some of those where, when we look at um, these caregivers, um, about 60% of them are women that used to be a little bit higher. Um, but we're finding now more men are also moving into that working caregiver role. Um, the age of an average working caregiver is about 45 to 64. Um, so people are really working longer, even past what we might know as traditional retirement age, um, even through their 60s into early 70s and wanting to stay in that place for a variety of reasons. So um, um, they are, you know, kind of working from that 65 on um, to, to about mid-60s. Um, some of them are a little bit older. And then they, um, a lot of them have school-aged children who also are, like I said, running to practices, having school events and that sort of thing, um, who also need care and attention, maybe not driving yet, um, and getting themselves to where they need to go. So it's, you know, a real, I think, struggle there too. Um, and then 
what we have found, Melissa, and it, it really was um, surprising to me that the average family caregiver spends an average, uh, an average of 24 hours a week with caregiving responsibilities. Hmm. I thought that was a remarkable number mm-hmm. of hours spent caregiving. And of course, that runs the gamut, like I said, of, you know, you could simply be picking up groceries or taking someone to, you know, get their hair done or out to lunch, or you could be providing hands-on care in your home every day. What does that look like and all of that? And I'm sure it depends on like the, like you said, there's the beginning stages, then there's the more collaborative interdependent stage. And then there's the, so the independent, I'm just supporting mom and dad every now and then to help them like during COVID right. because I don't want to go right. to the grocery store. I know I'm doing that sure. to then the interdependent where we're a team to then exactly. dependent. I have to, I have to be the everything and I'll be all yes. for them. And if I'm not actively caregiving, I have to manage the care that they're getting. That I was going to say managing care for a lot, a large number of folks managing care is becoming a huge topic and a huge, okay, now what do I do next? What do I need to consider? Um, it's, I think for a lot of family caregivers, it's what do I not know? You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're all trying to make good decisions, and we're all trying to make good decisions about caregiving, what that looks like, what is involved, um, how do I do it the, to the best of my ability? And then it's um, what it's available to me. What is, you know... I've, I, I've got to go on a work trip. I can't possibly be here with my, you know, my parent, but I can't really leave them alone. What needs to happen there? So again, kind of realizing and talking through those resources of, um, and there are a lot of resources, which is great. Um, I think, um, you know, we, we live in an area in middle Tennessee in particular, um, that there, there are great and tremendous resources that are available, but, um, it's how to access them. It's who to call. It's again, what is that called? Is there any such animal out there that does XYZ service? Um, and then, you know, helping, helping families put those resources together. Yeah, for sure. You know, I want to definitely jump into your expertise and knowledge around human resources and employers, because mm-hmm. I know you're seeing a lot of that and can shed some light on that. Um, right. I mean, definitely the the resources. One thing I think is awesome is between you and anybody and me and Robin and anybody in the industry, if you tap into the right people, we can connect you to the right resources, but it's like getting to us. So that's going through the human resources in the departments. But what else are you seeing as a need besides the uh, education of what resources Mm -hmm. are out there? I have been shocked and maybe I shouldn't have been but I I really have been it's been a huge learning curve and I think very interesting years ago I I just assumed that HR was hiring and firing and dealing with um, maybe a discriminatory issue on the job or you know job satisfaction or you know kind of things that were very what I would consider cut and dry HR issues. But really, Melissa, what I have become increasingly aware of is that human resources department in a lot of companies and corporations is kind of the heartbeat of 
employee satisfaction, um, getting resources to employees, employee wellness. Um, I, I knew that was a thing. I was aware that that was a concern for human resources or that they would help facilitate employee wellness, for example. But what I've become um, increasingly, I mean, it really has just been a, a surprise, but what I was glad that is being addressed is HR employees are becoming, they are charged now with employee wellness. And that for, again, I thought that that meant employee health and, you know, quit smoking and, you know, be on an exercise program and, you know, that would help lower their insurance costs, right? That's kind of where my knowledge, I guess, was in that and maybe about as far as it went. But then I realized as we were walking through some of our discussions with human resources and talking about working caregivers, a lot of the, um, I guess a lot of the responsibilities of a human resources department is also has to do with holistic wellness. So the stress level of an employee, mental health, um, getting mental health resources for employees, um, any anxiety that an employee might be feeling on the job, a way that an employee might be feeling threatened in some way on the job. And also they're responsible to some degree for financial wellness as well. Mm. Um, so making sure that employees have uh, access to retirement information, making sure that they have access to um, investment information, um, making sure that they're able to manage finances in a responsible way. Um, I, I thought that is a lot on an HR department. Right. And, and, and I was just thinking, company, I mean, my goodness, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. But I was just thinking with caregiving that that's like all of them, your finances, that's your exactly. mental health, your, your that's anxiety, exactly right. probably weight, yep. smoking, all of those can be tied to stress and yep. pressure of caregiving. So that's exactly right. So it touches on all of that. So where, you know, we've had, you know, different conversations we're saying, you know, to, for you, employer, can, if you can provide resources for elder care, because it's happening, I think a lot of companies don't realize that it's happening, but people are being very under the radar about it. Um, but if you can, as an employer, if you can provide elder care resources, that will reduce stress, hopefully. Um, that will, um, you know, I think it's 8% higher healthcare costs for working caregivers who are who are involved in elder care activities, so you know, that healthcare, you know, kind of financially, that can help an employer uh, as well, um, and then just being able to help employees plug into um, elder care resources that they might may not even know about, that may be very affordable for them. You know, again, from a financial standpoint, it doesn't have to be you know, home or an assisted living, it can be this lovely blend of piecing different resources together. You So one thing that's interesting, you kind of touched on this, was that, you know, if you're a working mom, parent, the culturally that's changed and shifted a lot to that um, understanding that moms may need to take time off to take care right. of a sick child or this or that. But mm -hmm. I don't, I, I hear it with my own clients. Sometimes they're very secretive about taking care of their 
parents because they, they yeah. worry that there may start to be this idea of, oh, well, can they really carry their weight if they're also That's dealing right. with this? And so there's some fear around acknowledging mm -hmm the pressure and the stress that they're dealing with being a caregiver. And so I hope that's changing, but I can see where, because if you put it out there that, that I'm doing this there, you know, they, they won't necessarily come right out and discriminate mm -hmm. against you and be like, well, because you have, you've taken time off to take care of your mom. You were, we're demoting you. They wouldn't be like that, mm -hmm. but it may, they may feel like it may be more subtle where, Oh, well, they're starting to critique you in a different way than they That's used right. to on projects and mm -hmm. stuff. It feels like they're slowly trying to weed you out. So I, I can see where that we're not necessarily to a cultural place where people want to hold up their employees and help them get through it. Because just like right. when mom's in the workforce, you wanted to keep mm -hmm. your mom in the workforce. So you wanted to work with them through those, those childhood right. years same right. is true now with the caregiving years. You don't want to lose great employees, phenomenal 45, 55-year-old employees, 60-year-old right. employees. You don't want them retiring early because your job is not conducive to them and all of yeah. their expertise sticking around. Right. So I think we're going to see a shift there. I think it's already, and maybe because I'm in it, and I'm, you know, walking in this space a lot these days, maybe that it, it feels like the shift is happening. Um, I think it's an education process. I think it's going to be gradual. But I do think our COVID situation, like for many others, it has made us take giant steps forward in places maybe that we weren't quite comfortable or we weren't quite ready to go there. Or, I mean, you know, how many telehealth appointments are people having now where they would have never really considered that they would have just gone into the doctor because that's culture and habit and that's what we've done for years so that's what we've done now telehealth is a real a real thing that's being implemented so widely and now I think people are saying oh if I you know think I have you know just a sore throat I don't necessarily have to go into the doctor for that I can just have this and and on the reciprocal end the, the medical office is saying, this is great. You know, we don't have to see people in, or maybe we could see more patients in a day. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, um, I know one um, tele, teletherapist who said we had never really considered, you know, we might've thought about having telehealth visits, um, but now it's expanded our practice because of COVID and we're able to actually serve more people in different areas at a distance because they're okay with a telehealth, you know, sort of appointment. We're great with it. And we're able to serve more people um, just because, you know, they don't have to come drive to the office. Well, and that's um, like, so I can, I can tell you firsthand that that's happened with me because, you know, at first, who are your guinea pigs going to be? Are they going to be the ones that, yeah. well, I like to come see you, Melissa. And then this happened. And yeah. so everybody was forced to stretch and grow through yeah. it. And so you got all your yeah. systems in place. You started to get more comfortable with it. And then mm -hmm. it became just as smooth. Not everyone would prefer it. So it's great that there's a blend. But like you said, yeah. I now, with my specialties, can see anybody in the state of Tennessee. And so that exactly. means that I have, or, or, or just even, I can see a client that's in Murfreesboro or East Nashville, and right. they no longer have to worry about getting to me 
and I can work with their work schedules. Exactly. They could come on like a, a lunch break. Mm-hmm. It just opens up. So for caregivers and their doctors, a may, uh, like I have a client that she needs to get um, her loved one to a, the, the psychiatrist. And so yeah. mm-hmm. it would be take off from work all day long to make that happen. Now right. it's like, oh, I maybe could go home for a window of time. Like I work near home. I could go home. I can talk to the doctor one-on-one in a different room right. and tell them what's going yes. on. And then they can see my loved one and I can, you know, yep. then they can kind of gauge there. It's not perfect for everything, but my goodness, if we could just weed out 50% of the in, right. in office, like a medication right. management checkup. Why, yeah. if everything is stable, would you need to be in the office just to exactly. say things are stable? Can you continue the medication? Uh-huh. And take three hours out of your day if you're a working caregiver. That's a morning or afternoon off work that you're going to have to consider taking time away from work to even drop Go pick up your loved one, drive to the appointment, have the appointment, drive the loved one back home, maybe go back to work, depending on what your your day and your responsibilities are. That is, that's something that, you know, working caregivers have to work, have to really kind of work through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, you know, when we look at businesses and, and what is already on their radar, um, you know, they're, they were definitely consider, considering for um, caregivers and people who were in that space, not a lot of them had language in their um, kind of company policies, but I think companies like global companies like Starbucks and I think Target have started to put elder care language or, you know, overall caregiving language in their um, in their company policies, which I think is very forward thinking. Um, I know there are other companies that provide a small stipend to help uh, for every employee to help offset the cost of caregiving. So that can be for elder care or that can be for child care and any other kind of special needs um, care that a family may may need. Um, corporations, I think, were also very much thinking about flex time for employees because, you know, this wonderful thing called technology was making it really possible for folks to work from home. Or if you work in Nashville, for example, you didn't want to have to deal with traffic or sit in, you know, the traffic issue has become such a hot topic um, kind of in Middle Tennessee for folks, especially who are working in and around that downtown Nashville area. They didn't want to have to drive in. So, you know, companies were saying, great, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you work in the office, Tuesday, Thursday, you can work from home. I mean, so they were starting to do some more flex time to make that easier on working caregivers. Um, But I think this pandemic has moved things along at a much quicker pace. Um, I think I think that's good in a lot of ways because um, from what we can see and, and the conversations that we're having and what I'm listening to, because we've, you know, while we've, we've done a lot of sharing information from the COA office, we've also done a lot of listening to other people and how they're doing it, what their needs are, um, you know, what, how they've had to pivot their business um, and especially taking care of their employees has been really, really paramount for a lot of companies, making sure that people are okay, just kind of 
calling to to check in or, you know, having various staff meetings or a team huddle or whatever they're calling it, just to make sure that um, that their employees are okay and they're, that they're staying connected, even though so many of us are working from home anymore. Um, so one person put it this way, and it was a webinar I was on, I think about two weeks ago. They said, it's almost like the line between your personal life and your professional life is now blurred because people are working from home. You've got dogs barking in the background. You've got little kids coming in wanting a snack. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was no joke. I was on a webinar um, last night. It was a Tate webinar that I had did. I was not able to attend in person uh, in real time when it happened. And as soon as the Zoom call, you know, kind of, they, they kind of, as someone, there was a question, you know, Dr. So-and-so, can you field this question? And sure enough, as soon as that happened, the phone rang and it was her four-year-old grandson who had just learned to use the telephone and Aww. wanted to call his grandmother repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Aww. So, in the middle of this professional moment, what should have been a professional moment, she had to stop. She just looked into the camera and said, I am so sorry. Let me just take this call. And she picks up her phone and she said, honey, you can't call me again. And so, you know, it just, and so we didn't get any more phone calls, but I, I thought that is a, a real moment in her life that she loves this grandson. She probably would have been thrilled to take the call at any other time. But she's having this professional moment right. and her personal world just, you know, came right through, you know, like, right. like you know, like a Mack truck, you know. Yeah. And, and we're so all trying to navigate what that, what that looks is. like. Mm -hmm. And I think employers, Melissa, are starting to realize that and also starting to get a glimpse behind what, what. I have always considered there is a there is a separation between your professional life and your personal life. And no, you don't want your grandson calling necessarily when you're on a professional Zoom call or the dog barking in the background. But you know what? That happens and that's real life. And so we're all extending, I think, a lot of grace and understanding to each other. And I think employers are doing the same in what has to happen for employees to make this work. Mm -hmm. um, I think also now employers are really thinking about more so than ever retention, retaining really great employees who are, like you're saying, knowledgeable. They don't want those employees to retire or have to take an early retirement because of an elder care issue. Many are, but now it's um, kind of that your personal world and your professional world are kind of intertwined now. And employers are, are realizing that and they're starting to address that. So my you know, hope is that there'll be more creative solutions to help those working caregivers meet all their needs on all levels. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've always thought you ramp up your career, but then you walk away at the highest point. I don't, I don't know about that model. I'm thinking yeah. there seems like, especially yeah. in today's day and age where people want to work longer, but they don't want to grind it out at that like highest level of their career. Why not sure. kind of go, and I know some people, it would be hard from an ego standpoint to slowly like ramp it down, but to go, 
Hey, right. let's backtrack. Let's backtrack into slower positions. Let's backtrack into mm -hmm. uh, part-time positions and let's phase right. out as we transition the mantle to, you know, another generation behind us. Yeah. But I mean, talking about, it's not just logistically making that happen. It's emotionally making that happen. Can people right. be okay with stay sticking around, but more in a, a mentor or support role versus right. the top career leader role? Because mm -hmm. you can't be a leader if you want to work part-time. You know, you have yeah. to really understand that you can't be in the driving, the driver's seat of your corporation if you want to dial it down mm -hmm. and and have that work life. And I'm not saying you can't have work life balance there, but it, it's, it, I mean, it's different, it right? It can be tougher at a higher level, right? When there are more responsibilities, more expectations, and I also think, you know, you were saying a little bit earlier about that culture of kind of hiding, not, I shouldn't say hiding, but really keeping things close to the vest when you're caring for some, an aging parent, for example, if you're involved in elder care, that care ramps up into mm -hmm. more responsibility. There is also, there is a culture and we've become more aware of it through conversations through our process and trying to meet those working caregivers where they are that, um, the, the working caregiver is saying, I don't want my boss to know that I am caring for my mother at home or that there's a dementia issue because, mm -hmm. you know, if, if my parent has dementia, that tends to ramp up. It can sometimes suddenly um, kind of um, have a decline in the responsibilities of the caregiver. Um, the stresses of the caregiver are increased um, and they don't want to all employees don't always want to have to share that with their employer. Um, mm -hmm. That's not something that, that they feel comfortable doing. And quite frankly, not all company cultures are safe or feel safe to, to share that information. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that um, we're sharing with employers too, and some of these really fantastic HR professionals who have so much on their plate is if you can help, employees feel safe and feel like they can talk about this, then, you know, that, that is a, a wonderful place to, to be as a company because, and then give them some resources, mm -hmm. um, give them, you know, um, that flex time, give them um, permission to take time off, give them, you know, two more days out of the year that they could use or certain number of hours that they could use for caregiving responsibilities. Maybe that is childcare, especially now with, you know, COVID. I mean, you know, families are trying to piece that together, trying to figure out what even school looks like, right, for school-aged children. So there's a childcare component there. But also with elder care, um, you know, when we talk about what might be trending or um, what we're seeing at an increasing rate, it's, you know, families are saying, I'm not sure I'm totally comfortable with my loved one going to uh, live in a, in a retirement community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm concerned about them catching the illness or coming, you know, um, coming down with COVID and, and um, catching that and becoming ill. Um, I'm concerned about not um, having contact with them. I don't mm -hmm. want them to move somewhere that's beautiful and wonderful and a great place, but they're in their 
apartment all the time Mm -hmm. um, because they have to be quarantined for safety. Um, So that's a concern as well. Um, And then also, you know, we're hearing that finances are a real concern. If a family is out of a job or, um, you know, um, stock market things were happening. I think that's maybe leveled off a little bit now and kind of come back into balance. But, um, you know, those are all still remain concerns for families, especially during a time that feels really uncertain. So um, we know that there is an increasing responsibility on family caregivers. Yeah. Wow. Well, Casey, I think this is It is. It's a wow. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a fascinating conversation. And while there's so much to look forward to that we are evolving to a better place for caregivers, there's still a lot of work to do. And I think for those who are comfortable, safe, and can be advocates to speak up because you're going to make a difference for those who come after you. And there's going to be a lot of people that come after you. I mean, the silver tsunami is hitting. Baby boomers have been increasing in numbers in retirement for Mm -hmm. a decade now. But if you think about it, when you first retire, you're not, you're really independent, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're kind of like in your golden years and stuff. So if we're 10 years in and they're still adding to the numbers and it's growing and growing and then that population's aging, well, now mm-hmm. is when we see that their decline in frailty is, is, is starting to put that pressure on those daughters, on those working 40% men as well, yeah, definitely yeah. our audience, the, these caregiving women who are in their, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, and in some mm-hmm. cases with some diseases like early onset, they may be even younger. So yeah. it's it's going to impact employers more and more and more and more. And COVID has mm-hmm. been somewhat of a blessing to advancing how we, how we integrate right. at home. It's also been a curse in that it's made live, you know, community living a little scarier. It's made older adults fear getting out and engaging. Mm-hmm. So it's had its complexities, but it just goes to show what we are going to be grappling with ongoing. It's just kind of been condensed into this yeah. really intense and year for us but it's all going to keep keep going and so people like Casey here who are in these amazing positions of education and knowledge are great beacons for us to go to and be enlightened with so I really appreciate you coming on Casey as we wrap up today are there any last thoughts um I I feel like this is ever changing so us having an opportunity to talk on a regular basis would probably be great wrapping up your last thoughts and also tell us how people can find you um absolutely I will so I think when I when I think about um just all this entire caregiver situation as a whole um that yes a, a large proportion of it does fall on women. So I love the daughters on fire. I think we kind of have to be on fire for each other and the people that we care for on all different levels and all different levels of our lives. And I feel like there, there is a heaviness around that, Melissa, that there is a huge responsibility and it's all the emotion, right? It's guilt. It's, I should have done more. It's being overwhelmed. It's, and a lot of that feels negative, but I 
would really love to leave folks today and listeners today with there are also a lot of solutions. There are also a lot of connecting um, organizations, services, people like yourself and like Robin, who will help um, families and caregivers put resources together, um, help connect the dots with this is what I need and I don't even know what it's called. And we say yes, and we can kind of translate that into you need A, B, and C. If those don't work, call me back and we'll connect you <laughs> yes. with something else that works. Um, but there are great resources. Um, it's just getting to the um, the organizations that provide them and organizations like Council on Aging that will help you connect them, which I think is, is really important. Um, so I, you know, I want to leave people with hope that there is a, there's a lot of support um, and a lot of people walking through it. You know, you're not alone. Um, there is, I think, in a, in a large way, kind of a strength in numbers, but there, so that voice becomes hopefully louder, um, which, you know, gives some, some, um, in, I don't know, weight to it and, and brings it a lot more visibility that yes, this is a thing for working caregivers. And yes, we do need, um, as much support and as many resources as possible, financial and, and otherwise. Um, but I also think that, um, um, it's just to support each other and to be, um, you know, encouraging each other along the way is really important. So if you do, you know, if your listeners are caregiving, but they also know other people who are caregiving, how wonderful it is, even if it's a, just a virtual coffee, to have coffee with that, an, another person and go, yeah, me too. This is exactly how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Oh, my goodness. And to be able to share that. So um, I commend you for the work you all are doing in helping people um, make those connections. So thank you. Um, Thanks, Council on Aging also is helping make those connections as well. And you can find us um, on the web at coamidtn.org. Um, you can also and, and I'll have that link in the line. show notes. So Yay, that that's great. See there. Um, also, our helpline, office line is a great way to connect with us as well. Um, people can find us. Obviously, our directory resources are online as well through our website. Um, and information and referral is the name of our game. So um, if folks um, don't know what it's called, but they need something uh, and just need to plug in where they're available to help. Fantastic. Yeah. Once again, yeah. Casey, so much great energy and knowledge and ideas and support. I Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know this has been very valuable for our fire tribe out there. So thank you Yay. again. And hopefully we can have you back for more information. I hope so. Okay. I would love that anytime. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the fire tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.